0: Welcome to the Death Panel. To support the show and get access to the second weekly episode, become a patron at patreoncom pod. This week's patron episode was a pretty spicy one, actually. It's basically part two of the episode that we unlocked over the weekend called "SB8 or Die." Um, epidemiologist Abby Cardis was back for a conversation about Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health, which was the Supreme Court case that is being described as the greatest threat to Roe v. Wade we've seen yet. So anyways, that episode is great. Abby is great. Become a patron, patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. Um, and if we could reach a thousand patrons by the end of the year, we will be able to reissue the socialism, barbarism, and disease and the born to die dead wonks shirts, which I know a lot of people have been wanting um, and they've been sold out. So just mm-hmm. another good reason to support the show if you've been
1: yeah, thinking about
0: it. Yep. Share the show with your friends, post about your favorite episodes, and you know, follow us at panel. Deathpanel- Underscore. So, with all of those plugs out of the way, let's get into what we're going to discuss today. It's been about a week since we discussed the Omicron variant. And not only was that episode a Patreon episode, because that's just how the timing has worked out. Since then, obviously, some new shit has come to light. Though, to be honest, not <laughs> much because that episode does still hold up.
2: Yeah, but we're going to talk about uh, some updates that have happened in the last week or so, uh, what little there is. Right. And add some other things to that conversation, too. So that'll be in the back half of the episode.
0: Yeah, and and I think, you know... One of the things I want to talk about before we get into anything else, which is very much a part of the conversation of the general political economic dynamics at play right now as we head into the holidays under this looming shadow of the Omicron variant, um, is I want to talk about Jen Psaki, the Biden White House press secretary, yeah. and Woo. the really crass thing that she did this week I mean, at a how, White House Daily Press briefing.
2: Could we not start here? Because I think we were already probably going to talk about... because. We recorded the Omicron variant episode before the uh, Biden plan to combat the Omicron variant or whatever it is, um, however they branded it. Basically. Whatever that thing is. This is the yeah, top bill our, fight in Las
0: Vegas. Biden versus Omicron.
2: Our plan to um announce a bunch of the things that we should have maybe been considering announcing like a month or so before when the delta variant was already causing like a bunch of havoc and clearly things were as we've been talking about for weeks going very poorly um but now under the new aegis of there's a new variant and so therefore this is exactly what we have to do but yeah so we're already probably going to review that and especially this thing about testing which is Mm -hmm. absurd which we'll get into it but Yeah, I guess. Let me just play this clip really quick. So I'm sure that this has been all around,
1: but I just I feel like, you know, in in the in the Madame Tussauds, like uh, waxwork museum of the Biden administration's response to the (laughs) COVID-19 pandemic. This is imagine this as being like the opening sort of like diorama uh, this is what I'm, this is what I'm seeing.
2: I mean, that will be the case if there is any justice to be had in yes. the historical arc of the pandemic response. But I yeah, I Just mean, I guess I won't get into conjecture.
0: Also, as a quick benchmark um, before we get into this, uh, the, as of the time of this recording, the New York Times has reported an average of over 1000 deaths per day for all but five of the last 110 days. Yeah. So that's that's good context. You know, when she claims that Biden, the Biden administration is doing everything they can. Yeah.
2: So <laughs> let me play this really quick.
0: Look at what we've done over the course of time. We've quadrupled the size of our testing plan. <laughs> we've cut the cost significantly over the past few months. And this effort to uh, uh, to push uh, to ensure insurers are you're able to get re- your your tests uh, refunded it means 150 m- million Americans will be able to get free tests. Kind of complicated, though. Why not just make them free and give them out? to and have them available everywhere. Should we just send one to every American? <laughs> Maybe. Then then what ha- then what happens if you if every American has one test? How much does that cost and then what happens after that?
1: Now, all I know is that other countries seem to be making them available for in greater quantities for less money. Well, I think we share with the same objective, which is to make them less expensive and more
0: accessible, right? <laughs> uh, every country is going to do that differently. And I was just noting that, again, we're our do tests it go worse. through the FDA approval process. That's not the same. Uh, yeah. Oh,
2: my God. So, so for, beautiful. As a, you know, this is an audio medium. So what do you want me to do? Perform
0: CPR on the person who's in cardiac arrest on the floor right now?
2: <laughs> if, you, if you haven't seen... The <laughs> clip itself. It, this is one that's actually worth like seeing. Her just face. the disdain in mm. her eyes. The but also like the sort of self satisfaction of this being an absolute gotcha, right? Yeah. I mean, it's cra- Like, what do you? Okay, <laughs> we we should get into this and uh, also obviously talk about like what the what the officially announced sort of like the home right. testing plan p- portion of the Omicron response from the Biden administration is because the details are really important but like on a base level what what are you worried about fraud
0: (laughs) well that people
2: are gonna ask for COVID tests and not need them when cases are so high like that they might be expensive like what is expensive a fucking plague is expensive it's even
1: worse than that it's like the it's the line Almost that's been used kind of constantly throughout the pandemic is like, well, people, people don't want them anyway. <laughs> like, that, like, There's like, yeah. there's insufficient, there's I- insufficient demand for these tests. Well, OK. All right. So let's I want to peel back the layers of this very rotten onion. <laughs> um, but I think it's in, like I was going back and reading coverage of the like Biden testing plan since the beginning uh, since since the pandemic testing board was set up nominally in like January of uh you know January of twenty twenty one, just a different
0: age, just
1: yeah, completely yeah. different era. But like the testing, like the the news that came out, there's like this I think like Politifact or something keeps like a Biden. <laughs> Um, promise keeper tracker, oh, something boy. like that. Promise oh my trapper God, are keeper. Are you serious? Yeah. Um <laughs> and it's and it's, you know, it's about as bad as you would assume it would be. But like here's the here's the thing that that I think the Biden administration is like pointing to, or there I think is there like uh, internal what they're telling themselves to allow themselves to sleep at night is like we increased the number of tests in the United States like relative to Trump. And that's like when when this promise tracker is like um, talking about it, they're talking about it in terms of like, well, the number of like tests increased, uh, you know, in even like relative to the number of cases. And it's like, yes, but these tests that are being done are being done of symptomatic people and typically like far past the point where the value of testing can be like realized yes. they're not Absolutely. like being done so to like prevent the spread they're being done in a way to like register how fucked we are um and to like you know to to be part of like the clinical record uh, at an individual level of how fucked we are but they're not being used in the way that like Countries like the UK and Germany are using them um, because why? Because it's it's still quite uh, difficult to get a test. You you have to go out and buy one. They're not being uh, given to people uh, for free and they and they never have been. Um, you know, there was only like one moment where you, and you still even at like I would say like the apex of quote unquote free testing in the United States. You know, I had to go to the a, a giant parking lot and get tested by the National Guard um, in my car. And, right. and like, so we've never really done that sort of thing. We can talk about the reasons why the pandemic testing board uh, didn't do that. But like in the Biden administration's mind, they're like, well, we've increased the number of tests. It's like, yes, but you haven't <laughs> done the thing that actually makes those tests, uh, usable. Useful. Yeah, um, exactly. And, right. and I think the, you know, Saki is obviously, I, I love it because it's just the, um, uh, the high watermark of the illogic of the, the Biden like, and again, and a good reminder to all of the people who at the beginning of the administration said like, well, maybe neoliberalism is dead. I present to you, ladies and gentlemen, the great Jen Psaki, uh, <laughs> for example of this. Um, but the, uh, the, I think the real architect is, is, is obviously not saggy. She's just the, the messenger, a really hilariously bad one. But, uh, <laughs> but the real architect is our good friend, Jeff, I never know how to pronounce his name, Zients, Zients, who cares? Um, the former uh, group uh, member to compete for the purchase of the Washington Nationals, you know, founder of Portfolio Logic, LLC, um, yeah. so CEO of the guy. Wall Street investment company, Cranemir, uh, <laughs> all of these things well qualify him, of course, to be the, you know, pandemic uh, response uh, White House response like leader um, at this point. And it, it's really Zients who's like provided the justification for doing this. And uh, Zients tried to like go and like clean up Saki's, you know, verbal fumble uh, like the day after. And we should play that also.
2: Yeah, this is what. So what exactly is the context for this clip, by the way? This is I know he's responding. He's trying to like make Saki's statement seem, I don't know, sensible Right. Yeah. I mean,
0: he's trying to he's trying to walk. He's trying to walk it, you know, back to logic, because obviously everybody immediately was like, this is absolutely disgusting. But, Phil, I think you put it so well on Twitter um, when you quote tweeted this clip saying prove to me the Biden administration isn't more committed to projecting an image of fiscal discipline than an image of an administration that can competently manage a fucking pandemic. So this is him trying to do damage control for the, the, the like disaster that Saki basically brought down upon herself
2: right and so i'll say to um i'm gonna play this but also this is like it's interesting because this is actually kind of the more important one saki is you know in many ways like clearly just repeating the the attitude of the administration which is very telling and very indicative and important she is the mouthpiece yeah and this and you know the saki clip i'm sure like i'm sure most of the people who uh are listening to this may have already heard that by now because it clearly ricocheted around but like this is, this is, I think, a really important doubling down to see, especially from not just the press secretary, but like the person who is actually, as Phil is talking about, the venture capital guy who is in charge of the White House coronavirus task force. Right, right. right exactly. So here's, here's the uh, here's his statement in response to this.
0: And since you fly to the UK, you get a seven day package of, of, uh, of, of rapid tests from the NHS uh, why not send rapid tests to every American in an attempt to sort of make people safer during the holiday period? Isn't there still COVID funding available that can make that uh, accessible? Thanks, Zeke. And, and I, I think that you know we, we do want to make sure that people have access to free tests everywhere in America. Our
2: approach is not to send everyone a test as sort of independent... Wow of their need or desire to get tested. We believe the most- Desire! ...efficient and effective approach <laughs> you know, our desire. Uh, is, is more uh, uh, nuanced than that. We will continue to invest, we'll continue to expand affordability and access to
1: tests with more competition. There are now oh. 13 tests approved from the mm-hmm. FDA. Uh, My bingo card uh, is up full. From, um, <laughs> none at the beginning of the administration. And uh, that, that, that leads to innovation. Um, that
2: leads to prices coming down in competition. So we're going to continue to increase the
0: access. Of Mr. Free Zients,
1: um, Mr. Zients, Mr. Um, Zients, uh, <laughs> the, the shovel that you have, I'm wondering, here's a slightly bigger one for you to uh, so you can more expeditiously dig your grave. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: yeah, no, I mean, and so obviously we can get into what this response means, but I just I do want to note because we kind of, like, glossed over some of the Saki clip thing. But, like, I do want to note that, like, the reaction to the Saki clip has kind of, like, cut across other ide- ideological lines that I thought that, like, you know, we didn't necessarily... Like, let me... I guess I would just say, like, some surprisingly to me, some of our favorite, like, antagonist characters of the pandemic have actually been suitably, like, critical of not only this clip, but also of the sort of testing program that we're going to talk about, which is, like... Jennifer Nuzzo, who uh, (laughs) Justin Feldman mentioned in the last episode as like one of the central public health, uh, you know, uh, expert shills or whatever, said of the overall plan here, quote, the most preferable option would be to make these goddamn things free (laughs) or (laughs) close to free, Um, which
0: shows you just like how fucked up the Biden's like administration's plan is if if some of our like principal, um, you know, gallery of rogues are like actually on the same page as us on this. Like, you know, something's really wrong.
2: Even Emily Oster. I know. I mean, I am appalled by Jen Psaki's answer in part due to the tone (laughs) But also it suggests no one is talking about doing this free, widely available tests, even though many other countries are. I just do not get it.
1: But let me. But here's the thing. They're all surprised. Right. uh, right, By this. I'm not surprised at all because let's go Mm -hmm. back to. Executive order number, <laughs> drumroll please, 13996, establishing the COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic testing board and ensuring a sustainable public health workforce for COVID-19 and other biological threats. Um, <laughs> let's go to section three of that order. Actions to address the cost of COVID-19 testing. Uh, it, does it say that they shall provide free tests? No. Does it say that they shall, like, ensure that everybody has, like, access to, like you know, in-home tests like that. They're just like sent in-home tests. No, it says <clears throat> the secretary of the treasury, the secretary of the HHS and the secretary of labor in coordination with the COVID-19 response coordinator, Jeff Zients shall promptly and as appropriate and as consistent with, with applicable law. one, Facilitate the provision of COVID nineteen testing free of charge to those who to those who lack comprehensive health insurance. Okay, Mm. so already there's means testing and administrative burden in provision one of this. Mm. Two, clarify group health plans and health insurances health insurance issuers obligations to provide coverage for COVID-19 testing. So I love that
0: that's such a priority.
1: So already the idea that what's going to happen is you're going to do that thing that you I know everyone loves doing as much as they love, I don't know, getting up in the morning and making that first cup of tea, asking your insurer to (laughs) reimburse you for something
2: exactly as if people
1: don't just give up. And right. doing this and
2: this, but this is so important because okay so because to get into some of the details of what is being offered as the solution here a lot of what they're talking about isn't re- isn't related necessarily directly to a lot of the sort of even more important and higher barrier even even higher barrier to entry stuff like PCR testing right it is about the the really central thing and a lot of what um Psaki is talking about is like at-home rapid tests, like the kind that you can get for like 20-some dollars from uh, Abbott. And then the other one is like 38-something dollars or whatever that you can get from the pharmacy. And what they're saying is that, as you're mentioning, Phil, you buy the test, you pay for it up front, and then you submit a claim to your insurer with like the receipt or something. You go through the process of (laughs) making a claim for the test saying, I bought this test reimburse me for this and then not only wait for the reimbursement, but also assume that as well, you know, what, what am I saying? Everybody knows that insurers are famous for approving every last claim that you submit, right? You've never had anything denied from an American insurance company for any reason, right? You've never had anything happen, like an insurer just saying like, no, Right, never. Well, you know, if, that never if we happens don't do it this
0: way, the the problem will be everyone will start to just overtest. They're going <laughs> to overuse the tests, and and they're going to recreationally start taking the tests because the te- you know when you test often it produces a sense of euphoria, and then people get addicted <laughs> to COVID testing themselves. So this is really you know about balancing the cost and benefits of people being protected from a disease and people being able to, you know, mainline as many tests as they can get their grubby little dirty fingers yeah, on. Yeah,
2: there's nothing like the high from a on minuscule amount dime. of reagent on <laughs> <where> <laughs> a tiny strip <laughs> right. of paper.
0: I mean, this is a strategy you use when you want people to self ration, right? This is why we use this reimbursement strategy on, um, you know, mental health care, right? Because that's something that a individual needs to decide just how much they need in order to, you know, reprepare their body to go back into the office.
1: Yeah, I love. There's so much about this. It's perfect. It's like this is our this is our early Christmas gift. Is it still Hanukkah? <laughs> it's like this is a Hanukkah gift uh, for us. Um, the, um, it's not still Hanukkah, is it? No, it's not. No, I'm, clear, it I'm clearly, clearly not Jewish. It was, um, it was really Hanukkah early
0: gift. this year. It was well, really, it's our really post Han- early. It's our
1: late Hanukkah gift <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. from Jeff. Um, the, it's because
0: of supply chain issues. <laughs> you know, right, right. Yeah. But,
1: but notice it, it's, it's like a little like synecdoche of like all of the arguments that are made for like on behalf of why we have, uh, the shitty health insurance system in the United States we do Absolutely. and like why we're supposed to just like tolerate that or like why it's good for us it's like well b- number one people don't really want this anyway they don't like it's it's really based on their demand for things and like uh, you know we don't want to like g- give out supply where there's insufficient demand meanwhile like obviously the point is people don't know uh, I- I- exactly like uh, what to do or like the the whole point of testing is like preventative. Like it's not, you can't do this in a demand driven way. That's insane. Who would think like that? Oh, maybe a guy who started his career at fucking Bain capital would think like that. (laughs) Um, not surprising perhaps. Um, but also like the whole, I was reading back through, um, sort of public coverage of the way that people were talking about testing sort of from the beginning. And they're like, well, it's all about like getting the tests to where they need to be and like um targeting and tailoring and like efficiently distributing tests to where the need is greatest. And and like you can hear that in in Zanes, like saying like well, you know, and even in the executive order it's like well, we we're, we're going to like give these tests to People who don't we're going to like means test it like you'll only get the free test at the pharmacy if you don't have coverage and like if you have coverage we're going to like remind your insurers that they better uh, (laughs) they better watch out they better not cry and so on (laughs) because we're making a list um You know, like that as well. But like if you read back to the coverage, like from the very beginning of the pandemic, that's the kind of language that these sort of management consultants and people who are management consultants in their minds, but have academic like appointments at uh, very prestigious universities. uh, That's what they were saying. They're like, oh, we need this like targeted tested. Not like, hey, maybe we don't know that much about this pandemic. We don't know much about um, the the way that things spread, it, mm-hmm. things take very unpredictable courses, and it's a non-linear uh, process of the evolution of this thing. Um, maybe we want to like, mm, I don't know, err on the side of caution and have a lot of testing out there to people. So you know, a- at least as much as countries whose testing positivity is like now like below five percent. Um, the no, it's it's all about like targeting and efficiency, and like it's it really serves as nice vaporware because. When you start talking that way, journalists don't ask the further question, or at least haven't until recently. Like, hey, by the way, that seems really fucking stupid. Um, yeah. You know, maybe that doesn't uh, work at all. But you use the terms efficiency, targeting, tailoring, and it all sounds really rational until you are where we are. Yeah. Right.
0: And the the thing that's um that's really kind of amazing too, that I think is worth like just re- repeating is that. Early on, when we were talking about, early on in the pandemic, when we were talking about sort of how testing was going to be used, right, and and we were talking about how we don't know anything about the disease, and we're not really sure how this is going to go, but we have tests for it, and so we need to get people tests, right? The The thing that was dropped so often was, like, usually the next line, which is that, we know how to use tests to prevent the spread of a respiratory disease, and you need to do it this way, where it's frequent, t- you know, and this is why we need to do it. It's yeah. not like we did not know how to use the test. And I know that seems like a really obvious point, but it is absolutely absent from the discussion here because it's not like we've been figuring out covid and figuring out how to screen for disease you know what i mean
2: right originally it was like lockdowns or constant diligent testing by everybody basically all the the whole the whole like you know uh michael minna who like made one good point and then quickly his entire pandemic framework like fell like straight down a fucking ladder like was saying like yeah you don't make sure that everyone has like rapid tests that they can take all the time and then if they are relatively accurate and then you know know to isolate if they are positive or whatever was floated as like that's how we're going to be able to reopen and now we just did everything with neither oh yeah and
0: and michael had this really cute thing at the beginning of the pandemic where it was like uh one test per day per, per each person for $1, right? And the idea was to get each person a test a day for a dollar or less. And that that was the way to test our way out of the pandemic, that someone could test themselves in the morning and 15 to 30 minutes later, either have a positive and have to stay home and go see a doctor or have a negative and be able to go about their life, go to school, go to work, go to the movies, whatever the fuck. And the the way that the the idea of, of rapid testing testing has changed since then is absolutely astonishing because the idea initially, right, with the idea of using these tests was to use them like so frequently that it was creating this this sort of blanket layer of protection. But we've gone this third way where we've done neither the The lockdowns nor the rapid testing. And instead, we've done nothing essentially this entire time and the meaning of rapid testing has like transformed into just simply a, a differentiated product category and not a discussion of a strategy of how you actually are supposed to use the test right so it's either pcr or rapid test now like you're getting like nike or new balance shoes it's not like you know, how it's actually supposed to be used.
2: I think I want to return to something that um, Phil said, which is the thing about how so much of this is a microcosm of all the shitty reasons that like are the defenses of the insurance system. Because I think what's actually one of the things that's really interesting about this is how this is just such a perfect example of thinking like, okay, so we kind of have this, you know, shitty hodgepodge system. It couldn't possibly work any other way. We're going to do it this way. We should do it like through insurers because that's the one way because we don't have a national health system and we couldn't dream of doing anything, you know, tangential to one or thinking about dreaming of like starting to set one up. So instead, we're going to do this like shitty system of reimbursement through insurers and do it through some HHS rule and pretend that we did something like pretend that that is going to actually help stuff. But then not only is it bought in directly to like the status quo of how the insurance system works in the United States, it is also Uh, And again, you know, doing it for like there's no reason to do public public health stuff through insurance companies like insurance companies do not exist for public health just as a matter of fact. But like not only is it buying in directly to that uh, insurance system logic, it also has this, I think, feedback effect of reinforcing actually that the insurer has the primary responsibility for health Right. Mm -hmm. For example, let me just, uh, present to you both. I, I saved this. I was like so ready to send this article to both of you. And then I just (laughs) held my tongue. Um, let me read to you some absolute sucker shit that I just like could not believe when I, when I read it. Um, So this is a Washington Post op-ed from yesterday titled, How Biden Can Enlist Insurance Companies to Get COVID-19 Tests to All Americans. It begins with, when I first heard President Biden announce that his administration will make rapid coronavirus tests free through insurance reimbursement, I thought it was a terrible plan. (laughs) Why isn't but the government then I proc- drank
0: the Kool-Aid, and now I feel warm and tingly and a little sleepy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Why isn't the government procuring tests directly and distributing them free of charge, rather than making Americans go through the onerous process of purchasing tests and then applying to insurance companies to get their money back? Upon more reflection, I think this could be an opportunity for Biden to enlist insurance companies in a new way that not only incentivizes testing, but also vaccination and even preventative measures that go beyond COVID-19. And then basically, so uh, most of the rest of it doesn't matter. But then towards the end of it, she okay. so in, in those first two paragraphs, you witness the fact that the author has been sold a bridge, right? right? Yes. Now, where she takes that bridge is phenomenal.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. oh boy!
2: By the end of the article, similarly, there sh- quote similarly there should be a financial advantage given to those who are vaccinated and boosted. Put a different way, insurance companies can raise the payments for those mm, choosing to remain mm-hmm, unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. Here we go. After all, unvaccinated people are eleven times more likely to be hospitalized with COVID nineteen than vaccinated. To further incentivize testing as a prevention strategy, insurance companies could offer a discount to those who take regular tests. Imagine if people who log their twice weekly tests online are rewarded with a lower insurance rate in recognition of their proactive measures to protect their health. And then ironically getting towards the conclusion saying, no one should be denied healthcare if they become ill, but why not give direct compensation to encourage better health? So. You
0: know, I, you know that I, sounds I, a lot like eugenics.
1: <laughs> I say, like I misspoke. Uh, you know, a few <laughs> episodes ago, um, and and repeatedly, and I'd like to apologize for that now. Um, I said that, uh, like, Democratic leadership, or I intimated that Democratic leadership, like, don't have a vision of what they think the good society looks like. No, no, they do. Uh, It's just that the people who govern are insurance companies. Maybe with Mm -hmm. some, like, hand-holding from the federal government, maybe some, like, light intimations of, oh, you better, you know, you better, like, do this correctly. But it's really the idea that, like, the best people... To know how to govern you, how to discipline you are uh, people who uh, make a profit from your uh, being in their risk pool. Like that's right. I, I feel like that is really the uh, and, and to make the state in a way more like that, uh, to take to take what that exists as a logic in the private sector and through things like Medicare Advantage, which we've talked about right. uh, to bring that somehow within the state and moreover, to take things that are like a quintessentially. Public, uh, logic of like, yes, this is a pandemic and we need to universally send out a, uh, an instrument that will allow people to protect themselves. No, um, it's, it's a pandemic and we need to rely on the people who really know how to manage risk, although really managing their own downside financial risk is really what they know how to do. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're going to, like, let them and their logics govern the pen. Pand- like, that's actually, <laughs> that's 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 a vision of a society. Well, um, right, it it's is. A, it's a vision of, like, a very grim, like, ris- uh, society oriented around uh, people's ability to manage their own risk and disciplining them for not being, I mean, and again, this, this is going to sound repetitious, obviously, but uh, that's just, again a very classic that de- that's almost like a textbook definition yeah. of what is packed into neoliberalism. So, um, for, you know, for those who say like, it's an amorphous thing, it is amorphous as a concept, but like whatever definition, the idea that like individuals are responsible for managing their own risk and have to be disciplined. According to that, that's basically in, in, you know, take a variety of definitions. of neoliberalism, That's going to be in it. That is a vision of a society and it's, it's mm-hmm. fucking horrible. And it, is producing, you know, over a thousand deaths a today in the United States. So, right. Good well, job.
2: And because this all of the I mean, it's worth saying, I don't think we've been this explicit about it maybe before on the show, but like all of this policy incentivization or this like incentivization framework for policy rather. Right. All the like the nudge philosophy, incentivization structures within policy. Do this like, you know, change this, change this like, uh, you know, price structure so that uh, someone will behave in in this Way towards some preferred policy preference, whether it's you know, like li- literally whatever, like you know, the entire Obama years, and then everything like with uh, with COVID, for example, like that pol- that like incentivization policy structure is basically the same as saying like, oh well, market forces. You might as well be talking about like fucking trickle down economics or mm-hmm. whatever. Oh, absolutely. As a principle for how how to run the um, coronavirus response, and yet yeah. everyone is just kind of like. Nope. Sounds good.
0: Imagine if we had attempted to mitigate typhoid like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Imagine if we had we had really made this like that part. It, it's or polio. If we had gone yeah. after polio eradication this way, it would have been um, much different. And I I think you know the thing that we have going on right now is this this exactly like trickle down is a great was a great way to describe it because that's really what Zins is saying in, in his whole thing. And this is what this Biden plan is, is we're going to just sort of behaviorally create this like sort of flow system. And people will like, if they can, if they're smart enough and if they have the resources, they will like pull themselves up by their bootstraps and they will jump through the hoops and they will get there. Right. Or they Unless you're like financially uh, at the place where you really don't need to like worry about COVID right now, because that's the other half of it, right? Is that COVID is really only. Um, a problem for some people in the population and certainly not for the kinds of people that are like working for venture capital f- firms right now.
1: Yeah. And it, it actually took to just like provide some like receipts on that. Like if you go back to things that Zients and Carol, the mysterious Carol Johnson, <laughs> the uh, essentially the the head of the White House pandemic testing board. Never really. I I looked, did a new search on her. Can't really find anything about her. I've never
0: heard her name before once, to be honest.
1: Yes. Well, um, I'm I'm here to introduce you to the mysterious Carol Johnson. She was once New Jersey's uh, commissioner of health services, then was appointed uh, by Biden as head of the pandemic testing board. Really, you know, very behind the scenes, seemingly completely anonymous human being. Um, maybe that is indicative of the nature of this board, you know, again, pandemic testing board sounds like a new deal thing, but it's just like, not when you tell it to do things like make sure that the, more of an executive suite
2: that you slap a name on that sounds like,
1: but what the Johnson and Zients had like said from the beginning, when people are like, Hey, these at home tests, they seem costly, you know? Um, and, uh, you know Johnson was like, well, we're continuing to work on the cost issue. Zian said that as manufacturers scale up, consumers should start to see lower prices. And Johnson said that the important thing was that we, quote, help to send a signal to manufacturers to ramp up production. And that's why we're confident here that we'll see increased production. Meanwhile, as we pointed out, oh, God, how many months ago was it? Like, uh. Was it Abbott Labs or just like destroying tests? Yeah, uh, yeah, like just in the amaz-
0: midst of this, like three months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. It's,
2: I feel like this is all ironic too in some ways because if you took the like, okay, if I got out the little, um, you know, conspiracy board with a bunch of thread and whatever, and you know what I mean, like a bunch of thumbtacks <laughs> and as, string, as you do every night, as I do. Yeah, that's how <laughs> I. That's how I sit down and prepare for the show. Is drinking like get
0: drain out. fluid? You yeah, know.
2: exactly. Um, if I was so if I was like to do something like that, basically <laughs> like I would think, okay, what's the, you know, the what what's like a good reason to say we don't want everyone to be able to like literally just have a bunch of free tests like other than all the bullshit answers like you know obvi- obviously like some like, people might not well, want Zion's, them right Zion and <laughs> want or need like what the fuck are you talking about and then and <laughs> yeah. jen saki is like you know it'd be so expensive are you kidding how much how much do you think that's gonna cost guy and is her response but like okay put those aside what's a good what is it what the fuck is a good reason to not do that? Okay, the, the crazy, like the only fucking thing that I can think of is, just sounds crazy, which is that it doesn't really matter to you whether you know, mm-hmm. right? right? Where Which is that it doesn't matter to you that you know, and you're already upset that there are so many high like there are such highly reported cases. You don't like the idea of it seeming like there's a lot more cases because if everyone had access to rapid tests all the time, you'd catch more breakthrough infections, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Bad However, yeah. this is very ironic because, again, you know, we're sticking with a. this is a prim- I am emphasizing probably this is not the reality. This is this is like, you know, let's call this this is firmly in the range of the hypothetical but if that was the reason it would be highly ironic because home tests currently are like because home tests are not reported as part of that aggregate aggregate figure that you see like mm-hmm. when you like look at the new york times tracker the cdc tracker or whatever like home tests taken you know whether positive or negative for covid are you know basically as a rule not counted in those figures because they literally require like if you if you take if you take like a rapid home test right for covid literally the only way that that the results of that test is going to end up in you know a like u.s government database is if you fucking personally report it or
0: go get double tested which
2: Right, or 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 then you know get a positive test and then go get another when test. You become in ill a enough, place you need to go that, to the
0: hospital. Like, or, that has yeah. its data
2: aggregated up to like a public health agency. So, iron Again, ironically, if that was the goal, like if you know, if the goal was to like you know not necessarily catch stuff, you would actually probably want to flood te- like the country right. with fucking testing. You know what I mean? You would want to just like give as many fucking home tests as possible because. For the most part, people aren't going to, like, get a positive uh, rapid COVID test and then, like, call up their local public health agency and say, by the way, I thought I'd report this or, like, go on the, like, website or whatever. Like, I don't even. There you go. I don't even know how you'd fucking do that.
0: Right. Right. No, exactly. Who does? No. And I, I think- I'm sure
2: I can Google it. <laughs> But like what?
0: No, and that's a that's a really important point, Artie, because home tests are really good um, and have a lot of advantages, but they also have really distinct disadvantages that I think there is a very urgent need for a discussion around. But that is virtually absent from this whole thing, right? Because the the problem is the vast vast majority of home tests, and and they're quickly um, becoming the sort of primary medium of yeah. testing, right? The vast majority of home tests do not go reported. And, and you know, while the increased availability of home testing is good, like we have, as already saying, we have zero way of collecting those data. The CDC uh, had initially recommended that people go and uh, report their home test results to their uh, local health department. You know, the, the fact that like the CDC could have stood up like, I don't know, like a centralized like website, maybe like a form field or something where you could just like submit a picture of maybe your receipt next to your Test into the form field with your address or something and your phone number. No,
2: that's like, even more no, that's even that's ridiculous. Whatever like that no, but I'm I'm saying but that's the even bought that into the thing. That, you right, could literally right. just put you could do a website where you just put in your fucking address and they mail you something. Right. You well, like you yeah, I mean, in, in theory, someone who is thing. on
0: the page on the CDC that's like how to take a test. Here's your walkthrough instructions about how to take a test and what the results mean. You know, not you know. Not to mention the fact that the best place to put somewhere to collect that kind of information is on a web page like that centrally located and coordinated and in a way that you could then, you know, have it be standardized. But instead, their recommendation was everybody should individually go and individually report to their local health department their their home test results on like their own time. Right. And then in early November, they just removed that. They just rescinded that and they dropped that from their recommendations. And so now there is nothing about what to do with your results. Your results are supposed to be your personal uh, decision. And I understand that there is like you know, some nominal debate about privacy and whatever. But like, no, that's that's not an issue here. The issue here is that we are relying on a testing strategy that we cannot see the picture of. We can't see the information and we don't have any idea what's going on. There are 10 different home antigen tests that are approved under emergency use authorization right now by the FDA, but only two of those even have like an app Component where you can like take a QR code and send in a QR code to report your results and all those work really well all the time right like we've all used great app architecture um and and also as stat news reported it's unclear like whether those states are whether states are even set up to receive the data from those apps that have been right. developed well
2: yeah also because generally speaking even if you're thinking about not even some stupid app bullshit but right. like reporting an individual case or whatever to your local public health department pr- practically as a rule those departments are going to be understaffed and overworked Right. So it's like how, you know, what, like uh, whatever the the whole, the whole thing, it's a whole, yeah, just, it doesn't, none of this makes any fucking sense. It's like relies on a fantasy of the country that doesn't exist. Well,
1: right. Well that's, but that's always uh, in a way that has been kind of essential to the Biden administration's strategy. The point seemingly from the beginning was Finding ways of messaging to the public that reminded them that we we've we've got it covered in some way, and relying, I think, in part on the idea that like public attention to the pandemic was waning. Mm-hmm. Um, the line that uh, you know was propounded in like New York Times like articles was like pan, "quote unquote" pandemic fatigue, right. and I think the the political strategy was. Don't rock the boat. Don't piss off the sort of corporate uh, superstructure that, like, has been part of uh, you know the sort of the the way that the White House works. And you know, do only what is necessary to remind people that you've sort of got it under control. And and lo and behold, what happens? You know, you look back to these articles from the you know from the summer and spring, and. It's, you know, the pandemic's ending. We've got it under control. Um, you know, the Biden administration is keeping its promises on, um, you know, increasing the number of tests, like demand for testing is is dropping. Uh, the vaccines are rolling out like we are. Su- we are successful at doing this. That is the legacy that we're going to leave is that we stop this thing. And like, it's pretty obvious now that that hasn't worked. Um, But they don't know what else to do because they don't have like this is literally the the furthest expanse of knowledge that they've like retained within the organization is people who, again, like, you know, got their start at Bain and moved on to like private equity and then were in the Obama administration and then went like back to Wall Street and like are now back in the White House. And this is the only I mean, in a way. As long as the market's reactions to these things is not too steep, which it doesn't seem like it has been, at least not steep enough to generate a major like reaction, there, there's they don't see any need for a really sort of wartime New Deal uh, kind of thing. It's it's the, the the linguistic version of that is is seemingly enough.
0: Yeah and and I think the thing that this like home testing point really shows to me is that like you know fundamentally the result of like home testing being dominant and the lack of consideration for you know the fact that we basically have a two-pronged testing strategy where only one of the prongs we get data from right now like the fact that that was not Considered to be a problem and that what what what's really clearly being focused on by the Biden administration, um, you know, is the messaging and how it looks and, and and really how it comes across and what looks bad and what doesn't. It shows to me really that there is just some some extreme abject ignorance of what is actually going on and like how to Absolutely. even do anything about it that like in their concern for messaging, right. They're doing things that make them look terrible and so ignorant about it's, what they're yeah, handling. It seems
2: clear that they don't even fucking know. Like they clearly yeah. just don't even understand yeah. how poorly they're doing. They have
0: no idea. Yeah. And it, it's this whole thing like too, where it's like, uh, you know, in the same stat news article I was talking about, they reached out to 10 states that have like rapidly rising cases. None of those states Said that they had a way of tracking home testing data, yeah, and the, the ultimate really result is that this impedes contact tracing. This impedes Genomic tracking testing, variants, right? Because the all home all test that. samples are not sent for sequencing, right? Yeah. And as home testing like, like continues a lot of that to be is
2: being done in the U.S. anyway, right. true, but,
0: right? But like as if home testing becomes more dominant, right? Like we're going to have less and less uh, material to sequence. No one ha- at the in the Biden administration has considered like anything that might be uh, useful in terms of like trying to. Set up to collect home testing yeah. samples, right? And you know, as a result, really, we have no idea, no idea what the true rate of, of spread is right now in the yeah. United States. We have no clue because we don't. We have only half the picture. Sometimes we only have forty percent of the picture because in a lot of states, sixty percent of the testing is estimated to be um, home testing, right? And and this is like. Really well exemplified by this anecdote about a fish concert in Las Vegas. Um, I'm just going to read this one quote from the beginning of the Stat News article I've been talking about, and I think this is a good way for us to just move on to Omicron because this kind of just wraps it up. But. When fans of the band Fish started falling ill with COVID nineteen all over the country after a Halloween concert weekend in Las Vegas, public health officials were largely in the dark about what appears to have been a super spreader event. So it was like five thousand people were in this auditorium that was described as being stuffy together for this Fish concert. Flew home, and a bunch are sick. And the way that we know about it is because they're all commenting together on, Facebook. on a Facebook thread yep. in one thread in Which a is comment not the section. The first time
2: that this has happened in the pandemic, honestly. Right. And, like,
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it's the it, it's a it's a problem. Right. Yeah. It's a problem, especially with like the fact of, um, you know, variant being uh, the, the variant detection sort of being the dominant narrative. Right. If we are also at the same time, like truncating our ability to do sequencing like this is really just a, a series of mistakes, bad assumptions, bad decisions and a continuing ongoing disaster um you know that's only like just uh getting worse like a gigantic that you know like a cartoon snowball rolling down a hill
1: right and and the point is like even if you can do like sequencing even if you like you know have the the quote unquote capacity to do sequencing like you have a lab that doesn't mean anything at all if you can't sample and and, and like it's really obvious like if the US is testing only about like A quarter of what the UK is like and we're not really able to do like testing for like breakthrough infections like how on earth do you imagine that like Omicron or any other variant that comes along is going to be detected and that's I I do think that's like the Omicron story here is that like while we're sitting here sort of in a situation where uh, like waiting for information to roll out the White House seems not only is it like being passive towards the idea that maybe it needs to completely redirect its strategy, it's actively defending what it's doing as yeah. not only the best way, but the American like like the like <laughs> the we're, American like the, way. The, their line, Saki's line, actually, uh, when somebody said, "Well, the UK, Marlyson is like well, the UK is testing way more than," we, she's like, "Well, we have the same goal. We're just getting to a different." Getting uh, to it through a different means—that's exactly what they say about insurance. They're (laughs) like, "Well, we have the same goal. Like, we're inching towards you." No, no, you're not. You don't have the same goal. You absolutely don't have the same goal of like stopping the pandemic. What is evident from what you do, from what you commit the resources of the state to do, is that you're perfectly fine with knowing jack shit about uh, the new variant as it emerges, and with more people getting infected and dying. And that's to me, that's like, like the question that. I'm not seeing like being asked is like exactly like what the fuck is anyone learning from anything um, uh, in the White House.
2: Right. Yeah. And I think this is a really good way, actually, to get us into sort of transition to talking uh, at least briefly about some of the updates that have happened in Omicron, because not only is that responsible, I think you're characterizing it very well. Like not only is it sort of like, yeah, we're doing it great, like we're doing it, you know, our way, the American way or whatever. Also, you know, again, in the face of the the new variant and what is basically still, for the most part, largely totally unknown about it, there is a lot of actually active downplaying of what it could potentially mean. You know, that doesn't mean it's going to be like terrible or worse than Delta necessarily, but the signs aren't good so far. And it doesn't yeah. really help to have like Fauci going up on talk shows or whatever and repeating the same line that you see in so many pieces of media that is like well it seems like omicron so far causes milder symptoms and causes less hospitalization or something which is
0: less severe disease that's the dominant
2: line which is the dominant line and which is ridiculous because for the amount of cases that are known and confirmed in the world there is not there has not been enough time to nearly fucking say that like A lot of the stuff that's coming out, including like the latest information from this week, like there have been, I think, uh, around three or as of this recording, around three um, laboratory tests about neutralizing antibodies that uh, have been basically published as preprints or in the case of Pfizer's own study as press releases. (laughs) Of Um, course. So this isn't great data to go on. But on top of that, like in terms of knowing whether something is going to cause more hospitalization and ultimately more deaths literally the time has not elapsed to tell and Mm -hmm. this is something that we got into a little bit in the omicron uh episode that we did and so you know we're not going to hit on everything i think here but i think just hitting a couple of those uh points really quick with sort of the latest things that we do know like for example still this line that uh you know as we've mentioned is pretty pervasive that it's like that cases are somehow milder that is universally basically based on anecdotal information or at worst, Mm -hmm. as many people have pointed out, like let's say that so far the information that we have about cases in a lot of these people point specifically to south africa for Mm -hmm. example uh south africa has a younger population in Mm -hmm, general mm -hmm. than a lot of the than like the certainly the united states
0: also like Um, the idea of taking like real world data from one country and trying to extrapolate it to a a global discussion (laughs) of what the biological processes of the disease are is not only absurd it's not straightforward and it's frankly like um a absolutely pointless exercise also right? if, if right. you
2: were going to do that then maybe also extrapolate from like the fact that the replication rate in south africa currently appears to be between two and three or I something mean, it's which is fucking, fucking huge. scary
0: weird like a little not fun <laughs> their
2: cases shot up like immensely yeah uh, over the last week so and i mean
0: it's still like it's definitely not like the mutations seem to like be not necessarily leading to as much escape um immune escape as people were concerned was possible protection you mean? right yeah. yeah um actually not just from vaccine protection but specifically from neutralizing antibodies c- and which is your first line of defense because right. you also have like b cell t cell you have the the um, sort of innate um, immunity process that comes later. But this is talking about the f- the rapid response. So, you know, in a lab study led by Dr. Alex Siegel, which is looking at South African data, um, showed that people with two doses of Pfizer, in people with two doses of Pfizer, neutralizing antibodies took a pretty big hit, um, a 40-fold reduction compared to the original wild type virus and Delta was a five fold decrease and beta was an eight fold decrease. So it's still not as bad as people were concerned about when they saw the sequencing come out. But it does seem that, you know, there is a significant advantage that Omicron has over Delta and it's quickly becoming, um, you know, more uh, widespread, it's definitely gaining some uh, edge over the Delta cases. At least that's what that's That's what the South African data shows. That's what the UK data shows. And I think ultimately, you know, the uh, the the fact that um, we we like immediately started talking about, well, is it mild? Right? Yeah. You know, it doesn't really matter because every percentage of cases is going to be like a range of mild, asymptomatic, that, and severe disease. Yeah, that's so, like, exactly. who the that's actually, cares? I, yeah. I,
1: I think that that's actually the point that, that makes the most sense to me. It's like, yes, we don't know a lot yet, but it seems wrong to say that, to, to really just focus on the one piece of the data, which is like the sort of the average comparison right. uh, to Delta at this point. Like, Yes. I mean, that that might be meaningful, but you also do want to look at the range because there's always a range because people respond to uh, the disease differently and there's like different rates of susceptibility. And like that matters in a like pandemic uh, response strategy. Right.
0: Right. Exactly. And ultimately, you know, we the the most important bottom line is that We don't have enough data yet. We don't have enough data yet. We don't have enough data yet. And regardless of Omicron, we have like a pretty serious pandemic going on of COVID in general, whatever variant it is that someone happens to be infected with. And, you know, one variant versus another does not change the fact that there needs to be something done um, and that we absolutely mm-hmm. have the capacity to do something to reduce uh, the amount of unnecessary debt that we are just being asked to um, take on, uh, you know, in exchange for a robust economy. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. And I think but that and that's really but this is what is really these are kind of the most important things to stress. And we go into we go in that episode that we're talking about. Um, we go into some more detail about some of the specifics of like Why? you know, why certain things are are not known in terms of like, you know, whether cases are becoming more prevalent or whether the course of the disease is gonna be quote unquote milder or more severe or whatever, again, as a average, as some sort of like aggregate. But then also the signs, you know, again, Seeing so many things, I guess guess I'm I'm heartened maybe a little bit by seeing at least a little more uncertainty written into a lot of press coverage in the last week. Um, But Mm -hmm. still, there is a lot of this repetition of these lines that, oh, it's milder or it's maybe not going to be as transmissible and not uh, and not going to either overtake or become as prominent as Delta. We simply don't know. And the and it's irresponsible to say. Otherwise, considering that, for example, again, not to, as B was mentioning, one like sample from, you know, one individual nation in a specific situation, not necessarily going to like bear out for what will continue to happen over the coming weeks. But let's say, but like I would point to, for example, um, apparently in the UK now PCR tests are now 2.2 percent of them are registering as Omicron mm. Um that's compared with, uh, as of November 20th, 0.01% of PCR tests in the UK. So, you know,
0: who, yeah.
2: who the fuck knows? I think basically. there's a really
0: good chance that Omicron's going to outcompete Delta. I mean, yeah, but, I, 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 that's just what it looks like is trending. But know? also,
2: like, they seem pretty significantly different. Too. Yeah. So it's like, who, who knows? And honestly.
0: ultimately, you know, the the fact of the matter is, uh, I know that this point has been said over and over and over again, but it's important not to forget. But hospitalizations and deaths lag infections there are built-in reporting delays and um weeks and despite <laughs> the fact that uh we may not be uh seeing some sort of tremendously terrifying hollywood movie level um 24-hour immediate uptick in hospitalizations right which seems to be what what a lot of the covid contrarian like you know, chic commentators or David Leonharts are looking for. They want something fucking sensational. Well, the fact of the matter is, what you know, that's not going to happen. That's not how it works. We're not going to have data 24 hours later giving us a perfect picture of whether it's more transmissible or more dangerous? Like that's not how sh- this shit right. works.
2: Or whether hospitalizations will go will up go higher. up, yeah. right? Like, like we're not yeah.
0: like sitting in front of a crystal ball reading tea leaves, but that's what all these fuckers are doing. Like <sighs> that's what David Leonhardt is doing. He's looking at graphs and reading tea leaves and and saying what and he's seeing what he yeah. wants to see, right? He's seeing what he's he manifesting. Astrology. Exactly. Yeah. It's 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 really and this is what's happening across the board and. You know, this is ultimately um, not going to do shit to stop the pandemic.
2: I think before we uh, before we close again, I guess before I before I go into this last thing um, again, if we want to hear more about this, I think it does. It does, unfortunately, still uh, hold up for now pretty well. Um, The Omicron view our episode, um, you know, check out our episode, patreon.com slash death panel pod, like full full length episode just about Omicron. And, you know, some of some of the things that we've said here just now, I think, are like they're like necessary, I think, to repeat in a public episode um, and also do have new information like from going on from the week plus since that was recorded. But as a sort of closing thing, I do want to return to one thing that we did address in that episode that has continued to be a narrative (laughs) that we see frequently, not quite as prevalently as well. Still pretty prevalent, but you know, not quite as universal and singular as it was in the first place. And that is our old favorite chestnut that we see here at the death panel across all variety of topics, which is blaming the, the ill for their own problems uh, or rather for their problems as, they, as though they are their own. <laughs> um, and uh, that relates to the question of where exactly Omicron came from. Right. So we talked in the in that episode the patron episode about a couple of um I'll I'll read actually one of them again, but mm-hmm. um we talked about a couple of things that have been repeated in the media a lot about the Omicron variant and the idea that specifically it was <laughs> it was the product of living in of the the virus mutating inside of a immune compromised person. Um one
0: long singular mm-hmm. bad infection right. in one person with a non-competent immune system right.
2: and as we- doomed
0: us all to not reach the new normal we've been grasping at
2: and as we uh, talked about in that episode this is because specifically if you look at the kind of like genetic ancestry tree of of uh the variant there's kind of like a year's gap between the last time uh, at least there's there uh is for now but maybe we'll find something in between but like there was a year's gap in between when this uh variant sort of line of ancestry was last seen um before a bunch of new mutations that have been added uh it was kind of like you know about a year ago um kind of disappeared off the map for a while and then sort of like appears to have just reappeared with all of these changes all of a sudden and so they say that something must have happened clearly um and i'll just i'll just uh read actually something that i did read in the in the other episode but i think it's just like so perfect and then i want to get into a couple of things where it has been repeated recently just so that we can do another like quick round around this to just call bullshit on this whole uh operation mm-hmm. which is so here's from uh right around when omicron was first sort of announced as a variant of concern this is from bloomberg november 25th b11529 Omicron, is likely to have evolved during a chronic infection of an immunocompromised person, possibly an untreated HIV AIDS patient, said Francois Ballou, director of the UCL Genetics Institute. With 8.2 million people infected with HIV, the most in the world, South Africa's efforts to fight the coronavirus pandemic has been complicated as immunocompromised people can harbor the virus for longer, scientists say. And so very quickly, you have this idea that, you know, again... Mm -hmm as we've said before these people who like immunocompromised people who largely who have been like who have been disproportionately affected by the pandemic right immunocompromised people seeing them becoming like the target of scorn mm-hmm. um and this is sort of not stopped
0: yeah it it really has um amplified it was sort of like at first treated as like an offhand comment and i think it's become a talking point for a lot of people who are very fixated on where it came from because You know, the idea that that it could have been any sort of structural societal issue, right, that could have led to the ongoing persistent um, selective pressure on the virus, right? Like that would indict the uh, systems that we've stood up to maintain the the status quo that's led to this, right? So it's a very convenient way to talk your way out of blaming the political economy for COVID. You know what I mean? And that's one of the things that we love to do with stigmatized populations, especially when it comes to disease you know disease is used as a pretense for all sorts of shit, like horrific border regimes. um, You know, the Chinese Exclusion Act is a good example. All sorts of like ridiculous, awful things that humans have done to each other. We've used disease as a pretense. And the idea that right now, like it could be seriously entertained that we're all sitting around twirling our mustaches going, oh, well, maybe it just incubated in like an HIV patient all year and thinking that there are no consequences for having that debate on the lives and health of of that population is right. wild Which, and it's disgusting that scientists seem to be completely unaware of how the stigma that they create like reverberates in society
2: right i mean especially since we know that there's like the possibility that it could have spilled back over into an animal reservoir and then mm-hmm. come back into the human right. into a human um,
0: hundreds of explanations i mean
2: there's also the possibility that uh it could have uh that the variant could have have evolved over that course that it was like you know not not really caught on the genetic radar as Mm -hmm. it were in a place that doesn't do a lot of genetic sequencing of coronavirus variants like the united states right Mm -hmm. Uh, we know already that it's that omicron is present in a whole bunch of states in the u.s Uh, we know that for example um one of the earliest cases that was reported as a omicron uh case in the u.s was first um it was a pcr uh from a PCR test collected, I think what the 24th or the 22nd of November, which is like right around the time that it was announced as a variant of concern. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, it's unlikely that it just happens to have like, this clearly seems like it was circulating for a while before, but anyway, the point being, you know, not, not to, I'm I'm sure both to be in Phil, it sounds like I'm just kind of like, you know, repeating ourselves a little bit or like I'm kind of playing the hits, but I do have a point to this, which is to bring up, the worst version that i've found so far oh boy because uh-huh. you know i had to do it i haven't heard this one yet um we
0: wanted to capture the live rage you don't <laughs>
1: actually have to do it to me but all
2: right all right well you can just you could just like uh log off enjoy make myself. yourself some I'll, tea I'll, I'll, yeah exactly. Uh, Touch the,
0: grass phil
2: why don't you just <laughs> yeah leave, stand up leave the recording room uh you know go uh play, play a couple games of backgammon i don't know uh what do people do <laughs> What do people do? I don't know what people do.
0: Bring it on, R.D.
2: Medical news today, December 6th headline. Did HIV help Omicron evolve?
0: Oh my god like they're <laughs> collaborators, they're co-conspirators. One, Charge them both.
2: Quote, one theory gaining ground is that the high levels of HIV in South Africa might oh have provided god. an ideal environment for the virus to evolve.
0: Wonder whose fault that is. Couldn't <laughs> possibly be, you know, the US influence on global pharma and the property regime that has made, you know, healthcare access around the world really unequal. Uh, quote,
2: continue. the high prevalence of HIV in South Africa, again, also All of this, as I'm saying this, it's really important to note that it's like totally specious to say that it came from South Africa, like it's like it was sequenced in South Africa because they do a lot of fucking genomic sequencing of COVID variants there. They do a lot of that. Yeah. So that is why it was detected there, as with other previous variants. So it does not mean that it came from there just because there's a big outbreak there. Anyway, quote, the high prevalence of of HIV in South Africa may have contributed to the evolution of the Omicron variant, Dr. Kemp told Medical News Today. Dr. Moritz Gerstung, group leader at the Computational Cancer Biology of the EMBL European Bioinformatics Institute, believes this to be the case. Quote, the regional emergence of several SARS-CoV-2 variants with long branches and concerning mutations in Southern Africa suggests that its HIV epidemic is a driving factor. So,
0: absolute eugenic bullshit. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just From absolute me. trash. From wow. his lips
1: to Tucker's ears. I'm sure th- I'm excited for this narrative.
2: <laughs> there's also, uh, anyway, yeah, there has also been a. LA Times article that I will not read from, but uh, that I think they changed the headline, but the original sort of A-B tested headline from when I grabbed it was headlined did a collision of COVID and HIV forge the Omicron variant. Yeah. So, you know, but it's like anyway.
0: It's as if the HIV and Omicron collaborated together. They intentionally met up over a cappuccino and decided they were going to kick our asses. It's the
2: buddy cop film. Well, but like, the you know, the I mean, that headline in specific, yeah. That headline in specific does, yeah, make it sound like uh yeah, COVID, COVID and HIV had a baby, and it's Omicron or something, which is ridiculous. But New no, I mean obviously it's.
1: presents <laughs> this <laughs> Christmas. <obviously> no, but
2: <laughs> the, the, the point, as I'm saying, is yeah, plenty of ways to stigmatize ill, disabled, and immunocompromised people. We've seen it all the time. It's been a hallmark of the pandemic. Omicron appears to be no different, and these. uh hits they just don't stop
0: also i I feel like one of the things that that we keep seeing is the idea that the search for an origin of covid is so pressing that we can just put aside the fact that covid's ripping through the population right and just we should really focus on finding out where it came from whether it's you know targeting um and vilifying china or (laughs) you know scientists in a particular lab or or, some poor
2: sick person right (laughs) yeah what if we were able to find the sick person that it evolved in? Would we then be able to undo the virus by putting them in prison? No, it's, it's in Indiana prison? Jones. It's, I, it's, I it's mean, like, it's very yeah. medieval. No, totally. It's like
0: thinking yeah, you can cleanse society by stoning someone to death.
1: No, it's like you have to you have to find the right cup, the uh, <laughs> the, the chalice. You chose poorly. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh boy. Well. I think this is a good place to end it for today. Yeah. I, I think this is a good place to leave it. If you want to hear that full episode all on Omicron, then become a patron at Patreon dot com slash Death Panel Pod. Again, we are trying to hit one thousand patrons by the end of the year to be able to re-release those shirts. So now is a great time to become a patron. Release
1: a uh, a, a mockup of a book that looks like the books book. One thousand Death Panel patrons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh. Um and uh, if you wanna help us out a little bit more, you can always share the show with your friends, post about your favorite episodes, or follow us at deathpanel underscore for patrons. We will catch you early next week in the patron feed. And as always, Medicare for all now, solidarity forever. Stay alive another week.
1: Bye bye. I just kept thinking of uh, like Jack Torrance's speech in The Shining. He's like, Wendy, have you ever thought for a minute about my responsibilities to my employers? Have you ever thought for a minute about the fact that I can only have people get reimbursed for testing?
2: (laughs) How dare you suggest that I send tests to people? Have you my thought God. for a second
1: that I signed a bill of agreement with the pandemic testing board to make sure that people could only be reimbursed for testing and not get tested at home?
2: Have you thought for a second that I am a businessman yeah. and not a public health official and I am doing my best up here trying you know, to run I'm, the coronavirus response? I'm very I'm small humanizing and I have a lot now. of money. I don't like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I bought the Washington Nationals. I'll have you know about one of the worst teams in baseball i sneeze and pandemic testing strategies come out (laughs) well if you sneeze and capital records be perfectly happy to finance your handkerchiefs
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh what's another good one from that that could be oh shit
0: is are we rolling
2: we're the most well-adjusted pandemic response team (laughs) in america (laughs) Yes. There we go. (laughs) There we go. I got another one. Yeah, I was rolling that. That's that's cool.